Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Welcome to episode 92 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. And guess what? Football happened today. For real. It was actually a thing that occurred in Allen Park for the first time since January. It was real. I was out there at practice. It was in many ways, a little bit surreal, actually, to be out there watching football again, especially watching football in pads, because usually even as media, you get that week or two weeks or even the spring as a ramp-up period, getting ready, getting acclimated with players. So by the time training camp comes around and your notes become incredibly important, you have an idea of who is who. I'll be honest, that didn't happen as much today, and the Lions have a lot of new faces, a lot of new numbers especially in the secondary, on the defensive line, even at wide receiver, that it took a minute to really understand who was who and to get an idea of what was going on. But seriously, there was football, and it was really, really interesting to watch. So let's start off today by just saying this, that this is how we're going to handle this. We're going to have podcasts that come out every day. Uh, We're going to spend most of the time recapping what we saw the day before, and then we'll spend a little bit of time toward the end of the show kind of hitting on what we might look at for that day of which you're listening to the podcast. It's just based off of the workflow, it's going to be the easiest way, I think, to make all of this happen, considering the lions have spread out when guys are talking and other responsibilities that I have. But let's start here with, to me, the question that a lot of people probably had, or one of a few, but Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford looks fine. Like, I know it was only one day of practice. I know it was a first day in pads. I know that a lot of the defense is still learning things, as you had Desmond Trufant at one corner and Amani Awari at the other starting corner. Jeffrey Okuda, and we'll get into this more a little bit later was working with the second team. So, yeah, there was Deron Harmon at safety. So a lot of guys are still getting used to Matthew Stafford. There isn't the pressure that he would normally face. All of those things that are caveats normally in training camp. But I'll tell you this. One of the biggest questions I had was how Matthew Stafford would look. Everybody had said for months that he was fine. But until you see it with your own eyes, 
you can't really say that. And I can feel confident saying this. Matthew Stafford is fine. He might actually be more than fine. I thought he looked incredibly crisp, incredibly sharp. Yeah, he had a couple of bad throws here and there, most notably one in the end zone that could have been picked by Desmond Trufant. But there were a couple of throws that he made that looked exactly like some of his best throws from a season ago. And if you are a Lions fan, if you are Matt Patricia, if you are Bob Quinn, that is exactly what you wanted to see out of your quarterback on day one. And a lot of that has to do with continuity and familiarity because those two passes that I'm talking about, guess what? They were thrown to Kenny Galladay and they were thrown to Marvin Jones. The one to Galladay was probably the most impressive pass of the day from Stafford. It was in a red zone drill. Galladay was in the back of the end zone. There was really, really good coverage from Justin Coleman on the play. Coleman was right there, and really, if Stafford doesn't put it where he puts it, which is high, and where Kenny Galladay has to extend just a little bit, but has enough room to get his feet down in the back of the end zone as he fell out of the back of the end zone, that's an interception or an incomplete pass, probably from most other quarterbacks in the NFL. But Stafford hit on that perfectly. It was... Among the better throws I think I've seen him make over the last couple of years during a training camp. And that's that's saying something, and there's probably some recency bias there, so let's be real. But it was that impressive. Another play that really stood out from a catch and a throw perspective was in more individual sessions, 7-on-7 work. Stafford threw a deep ball to Marvin Jones. Jones basically caught it while he was also sliding to the ground a little bit. A little bit of a dive to the ground and it was just you saw it and you just shook your head and you say okay well Marvin Jones clearly is ready to play and he is almost in midseason form already Matthew Stafford threw that pretty early in practice too that was the first time I was like yep I think Matthew Stafford is going to be just fine and again for the Lions that's exactly what you want to see I didn't exactly chart how he did completions versus incompletions. They didn't throw a ton in teamwork really on Monday. I think they're still kind of getting into it. It was also a shorter practice at about a little over an hour and 15 minutes. They're able to ramp that up kind of a half hour, 15 minutes every day up until they get to a certain point where they're going to be comfortable with practice. It's part of the elongated ramp-up session. So that that stood out. It really did. And if I were to say there was a play of the day, it would probably be one of those two pitch and catches between Stafford and Galladay or Stafford and Jones. It just was that impressive right out of the gate, day one. And while Matthew Stafford didn't hit on every pass, he didn't throw any interceptions that I saw. And you're watching two fields constantly. So but so you you might have missed a bad pass here or there. And like I said, there was the one that Desmond Trufant should have had. But on the whole, what I saw out of Matthew Stafford makes me believe he will be very comfortable and very ready to go by the time they play Chicago in a month. We'll be back right after this break with hitting on the rest of what we saw from practice here on day one of full pads training camp for the Detroit Lions. 
From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne. What's TheraOne? That's a CBD product started by Dr. Jason Worsland, and it exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help you soothe your body and relax your mind. Dr. Jason Worsland, he's the guy that started and created Theragun, and that has been all over the NFL and the NBA. Actually wrote about it a few years ago, and now he's taken his treatments to CBD, and so he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified certified organic, grown in the United States, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. And now through Labor Day Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is, Thera is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. And if you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun, that's T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N.com slash bluewire. And hey, Sunday, Sunday, Sundays, they're coming back to the NFL. They'll be here in less than a month. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Now back to our show. Welcome back. So the other big development other than Matthew Stafford's clear health was this. There was one rookie who was in the starting lineup in team sessions basically the entire day. It was not the rookie you would expect. Jonah Jackson, the third round pick out of Ohio State slash Rutgers, started at right guard. It was frankly surprising to me if you listened to Monday's podcast you would have heard that I actually thought Kenny Wiggins might win that job. And he very well still might. But the fact that they gave, and they knew it because they know when the media is coming out, they know all of this, everything is planned. Even though Matt Patricia said it's part of a rotation that they've been working Kenny Wiggins and Odea Boucher in at that spot. And this just happened to be Jonah Jackson's turn. Make no mistake about it. This shows how much confidence they have in Jonah Jackson. And frankly, that they probably, even though they won't say it, expect him to win the right guard job. If they're going to throw him out there on the first day of pads, the first day of hitting as a starter along the offensive line. Sure, Kenny Wiggins knows what he's doing. Odea Boucher knows what he's doing. So they basically don't need as many reps as Jonah Jackson does and as Logan Stenberg, who got work as the second-team left guard, does. But, again, Jonah Jackson being out there was, to me, the surprise of the day. And it shows exactly how much they believe in his future. Matt Patricia was actually asked about this. And here's what he said. 
We've actually been able to have some walkthroughs, I would say, previous to being on the field here today per phase two and through phase one, some different things we've been able to do. Some of those other guys have actually been in there. It's just kind of how the rotation was going and maybe some of the different looks that we had that Jonah was out there today from that standpoint. Just in general with Jonah, I would say he is a guy that is very mature. He studies extremely hard. Nothing really kind of phases him. I think even the move from Rutgers to Ohio State is something where he's handled transition before. So for him, this is just another transition into a new team and trying to learn everybody really quickly. So I think he's done a really good job with that stuff. So here's that. Here's that, right? Here's that one thing that I'm thinking of there. If you listen to that, that tells me they believe that the transition might not be as difficult for Jonah Jackson as it would be, say, for Logan Stenberg or even some other players. Later, when he was asked about Jeff Okuda, who mostly ran with the second team on Monday, he said that the plan generally is to work the rookies in a little bit slowly. And that was what they're trying to do, especially because there was no spring, especially because there was very little ramp-up period other than the last couple of weeks, which, again, speaks to exactly what Jonah Jackson was able to do. Now, we'll see on Tuesday and on Thursday and on Friday how that goes and who ends up being the starter at right guard on Tuesday and on Thursday and on Friday, and if it is a true rotation or if Matt Patricia is just saying that now and they like enough of what they see from Jonah Jackson to put him there because continuity is still key when it comes to the offensive line. And frankly, I would look at left guard too and see maybe what they do there with Joe Dahl. I still think Joe Dahl wins that job. I still think he probably wins it fairly handily, but it's something to consider. A couple of other things on the offensive line of note. One of the backup centers also Jonah Jackson. So clearly they're trying to cross-train him. Maybe they're thinking like, okay, he can maybe be exactly what Graham Glasgow was, start at guard, and then fill in at center in a pinch if you need it. Obviously, Joe Dahl can do that as well if you need him. And they have a couple of other players, including Kenny Wiggins, who can also handle that. Another note on the offensive line that is of interest. Tyrell Crosby... For a long time, there has been conversations about him moving to guard. Well, he's not exactly moving to guard. He's still play, largely played offensive tackle on the second unit, which is exactly what his role has been over the last few years. He's also the team's swing offensive lineman when they've needed him to be. But there is this one other thing when it comes to Tyrell Crosby. He actually played some right guard in different forms and fashions yesterday, Monday. That's the first time I can remember him doing that in his three years with the Lions. I actually caught up with Tyrell Crosby after practice for another story that I'm working on that'll be out later this week. And I asked him, hey, you lined up a guard today. What's going on? Here's what Tyrell Crosby had to say to me. Quote, really just for me, it's whenever I can get more reps, I'm going to do that. If they're having me go guard, tackle, I'm content with it. Just get better at each position. I then asked him if he actually was working on playing guard in the offseason. And he said, yeah. So in the offseason, I worked at every position, just tried to get better. Not a ton of insightful stuff there from Tyrell Crosby about the guard situation. Much more insightful stuff about the story I'm working on. But... It is notable that Tyrell Crosby at least got some work at guard. So it looks like they're trying to maybe cross-train him at worst 
to be a tackle and a guard, or maybe the thought there is down the road he ends up being kind of this guard tackle backup lineman if he never wins out a starting job, which right now, based off of how they paid Hal Vitae and how they could end up paying Taylor Decker, could be really hard for Tyrell Crosby to crack the lineup except due to injury. So on the offensive line, that has been some interesting shakeups, some interesting movements. And Bo Benchwall not out there today due to injury, due to what we think is an injury. Matt Patricia wouldn't go into details about that. But that's kind of big news when it comes to the offensive line. So who else stood out? Again, I said I'd get into the Jeff Okuda situation. Well, Jeff Okuda worked with the second unit while Amani Awarie worked with the first unit. And I expect that to kind of be the case for now and what they might do for a little while. Do I eventually think that Jeff Okuda will overtake Amani Awarie? Yeah, I do. And we talked about that a little bit on Monday. And that's just, I think, going to happen. You don't basically sit your third overall pick unless you've got some real issues there. And there's no indication that Jeff Okuda's had real issues. I thought he looked okay. He didn't really get thrown on a bunch in team periods, at least that I saw. And I tried to pay attention whenever he was out on the field. He had struggled a little bit in one-on-ones, but he also got matched up against Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay completely turned him around. And you could tell like, okay, hey, remember, he's a rookie. And it's a reminder that, hey, guess what? He's going to have rookie moments. That definitely was one on the first day in pads. Of course, having to work against Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones every day in practice should help Jeff Okuda get acclimated much quicker. And here's what Matt Patricia had to say a little bit about Jeff Okuda and why he was maybe being taken a little bit slower than Jonah Jackson. And that's where he said a lot of the rookies were trying to take it slow with. There's a lot of information that they have to learn. And certainly from a standpoint of being on the field for the first time in an NFL practice with pads on, there's definitely just a lot coming at those guys from different directions. Always, you know how I am with the whole quote-unquote starters thing. Like, I don't know who our starters are. We had day one of pads. I'm pretty sure Matthew Stafford, I'm good there. The rest of that stuff we'll have to figure out. I don't totally believe that from Matt Patricia, Obviously, Kenny Galladay is a starter. Obviously, Marvin Jones is a starter. Frank Ragnow is a starter. Trey Flowers is a starter, et cetera, et cetera. I do believe Jeff Okuda ends up being a starter, but I think they're going to at least let him get acclimated first before they throw him in there. Now, if we're still talking 10 days from now, if we're still talking toward the end of the training camp, which we're allowed to watch the full practices, and Amani Aware is still over Jeff Okuda, on a daily basis, then I think that you can really ask, hey, what's going on here? Might Amani Awarie actually start the first game at corner instead of Jeff Okuda? But I think you're a long way from that. You're a lot of reps away from that. And I do think you could see them work Awarie and Okuda together, maybe opposite Trufant early on, depending if Okuda's struggling or the matchups. We got into it a little bit. On Monday, that you know, these first four weeks of the season for the Lions, you've got Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, and Devontae Adams, and that's that's a rough go of it for any cornerback, whether that's Trufant or Akuda or Awarie. So you want to be able to work him along slowly because you don't want to completely destroy his confidence early on, but just something to watch when it comes to Jeff Okuda. 
couple of other small tidbits here. Uh, TJ Hawkinson and Kenny Galladay both talked to the media after practice. They both said that, yes, they actually were positive for COVID-19. TJ Hawkinson said he was completely asymptomatic. Came as a surprise to him and he described being on the COVID reserve list and basically isolated, quote, pretty lonely. His dad came up, brought some weights for him to work with so he could stay in shape for the week that he was away. Kenny Galladay said that he did have symptoms, had a fever for a couple of days, but that it was not a big deal and that he is back 100%. Also, when it comes to Kenny Galladay, the issue of his contract. He was asked about that. And he said that he hopes it's done by the end of training camp. He'd like it to get done, but he's leaving that to his agent in the front office. Bob Quinn was asked about Kenny Galladay's contract last month, and he wouldn't answer the question, which is par for the course when it comes to Bob Quinn. So nothing totally different there. Kenny Galladay said he didn't know if they've had substantial talks or if there's an offer on the table or anything like that. So he basically kind of answered the question saying, hey, I want to be here. Hey, I'd like to get paid, which everybody knew. So that was not new news. The other thing with TJ Hawkinson is he said that, hey, I'm getting closer to 100%, but I still feel my ankle. I still am working through it, but I'm not trying to baby it. I'm really trying to work through it. I don't want to baby it. I just want to play. So that's a good sign from Hawkinson, even more so how he looked on the field. He went through, by my eyes, a lot of the work. He did work off on the side a little bit here and there, but he was more involved and more active, frankly, than I thought he might be considering the injuries he had last year and the fact that the Lions obviously want to make sure that he's okay. So that's something to consider as well. One other injury note, Carrion Johnson had a knee brace on his right knee. I don't remember seeing that before. He also had a long compression sleeve on his right leg, but that could just be for a multitude of reasons. I don't think that this is anything other than preventative, but it's worth noting because he is a running back and that has to work. He also took a lot of the number one reps, as you would expect. Ty Johnson went after him largely, and then it was a hodgepodge of guys after that. DeAndre Swift, much like Jeff Okuda, they're working him along a little bit slowly as they want to get him acclimated to everything. Because again, as Matt Patricia said, they are only in day one in pads. Sure, it's a shortened period of time, but they are going to be working these guys. They're going to be working them hard. And there is a lot of time between now and the game against Chicago in about a month. So a couple other small things. I did not think Chase Daniel had the best day. It looked like he missed a lot of throws early on, especially in one-on-one drills. There were a couple that he overthrew. There were a couple that were really rough. You couldn't really get much of a gauge on the punting battle today because they were just kind of working a little bit punting off on the side. They didn't really do any live punting drills when they were doing a special teams period. They did were just basically running down the field. They weren't really punting. If anything, the holder battle, which is obviously the two punters, got a little bit more attention. Jack Fox went first. Aaron Sebos went second. They basically alternated each one on at least one of two field goals that Matt Prater did not hit well because they used the skinny posts. So even on some of his quote-unquote misses, they would still be makes and games. One that would have absolutely been a miss was held by Sipos. I didn't catch who held the second one. I know at least one reporter said that it was also Sipos, but I don't know that for sure as I was watching another portion of the field at that time. Matt Prater, for what it's worth, other than those two 
bad. Shanks looked completely on point and normal. Don Mulebach looked fine when it came to snapping. So what will I watch here on Tuesday? Well, I'm going to obviously pay more attention to Jeff Okuda as I will probably every day of this camp. I'm going to look a little bit more at the punting battle. At some point, they're going to have some live punting sessions, and that's going to, I think, be really interesting, much more interesting than it normally would be. I also really want to watch the defensive and offensive lines. Obviously, pay attention more to Jonah Jackson if he's ending up working with the first team for a second straight day. I also wanted to pay a little bit more attention to the front seven on the defense, particularly Danny Shelton and what he looks like. And also really what Jelani Tavai looks like here as he gets along in year two. Tavai got some work with the first team. Jared Davis, as you would expect at this point, got a lot of work with the first team at linebacker. Uh, And one last thing, when it came to returns, at least as punt returns, we didn't do kick returns today. It was Jamal Agnew back there. It was Jason Huntley back there. It was Danny Amendola back there. It was Tom Kennedy back there. Just some names to watch when it comes to the returner battle. But even though Amendola can maybe be more of the safe returner, figure it's going to be a Huntley-Agnew matchup that might last all of camp. Well, thanks as always for listening. Hope you got something out of it day one here from Lions Camp. And we'll be back again on Tuesday. I want to thank my sponsors, Thera One, Bet Online, Regents Field, NFL Sunday Ticket, and obviously Blue Wire for putting on this podcast. Thanks as always to my producer, David Woodley. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. I try to post pictures from every practice as well on both sites. And make sure you give this a review. A rating, a download. Give us a five-star rating if you can. We're going to try to have guests here soon. I've been in touch with a couple people, so hopefully that will happen shortly. And we will chat with you tomorrow. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. And don't forget about the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs also. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering 